Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Wednesday Night Live for the year 2024. It's kind of hard to imagine that we're already in this new year. I guess uh, people say that type of thing every year when the new year turns, but uh, this is uh, this is going to be uh, quite a an amazing year for all of us. I. Uh, I'm very grateful that the Lord has given us the opportunity to partner together. And, you know, we're going to be studying the scriptures today. This is supposed to be a Bible study, and it will be. I don't have a handout for you because we're just going to be considering a couple of topics. We're going to be exploring together today. So I would encourage you to have your Bible at the ready. And if, if you want to have a little notepad or however you earmark uh, the, the, the citing of passages, have that ready. And if a verse that we, uh, that we consider strikes your fancy or if the Spirit moves upon it, jot it down right then um, and uh, go back and look at it. <clears throat> and again, as I've said over the past year, I have no issues with preparing outlines. I think it's wonderful. But one of my main objectives from the Lord is to walk with the saints and hopefully develop some measure of um, efficacy in the study of the Scripture. Uh, I, think, I think we can become reliant upon having everything just put out on a page for us and we can be exhorted, and we can be inspired, and we can have it right there. But that's kind of like the old adage of you give a guy a fish, he'll be back next week. Teach him to fish, and hopefully they won't be hungry again. And so we want to learn how to study the Scripture. We want to learn how to be students of the Scripture, rightly dividing the word of truth. And um, there are a lot of times where... We're just going to sit down with the Word, and you have to have your, your Bible study tools in front of you so that you can go through. And I think a lot of times people say, well, I don't understand what he's saying. And the reason is that you've never mined with the equipment that we're mining these treasures with. So once you understand something, then you, um, then you can apply it for yourself. So... All that being said, have your Bible ready and have, uh, have a, a, some type of ability to jot down a reference. We're going to be looking at two different factors today. Okay, so the first one is going to be somewhat of a prophetic word concerning the vision that I referenced last week that God gave me, which I believe is for our network. And um, it's very, it's a very intriguing thing. It's Sometimes um, God gives visions and dreams, and um, he, uh, he makes it very clear to us. Other times, you have to be, and I say, well, isn't that what we're supposed to do with Habakkuk? You write the vision, make it plain. Uh, yeah, yeah, you do that when you've got young ones who can read it and run with it. But what about Daniel? What about Joseph in the Old Testament? 
where they had to gain really deep visions and deep dreams and go before the Lord and interpret them. Their life depended upon it. And there are others as well. Um, so I think that God is taking us as saints into a deeper measure of being able to understand and glean the visions that he gives to us. And then, you know, again, I, I do this as kind of like a rhetorical argument. Some would say when Moses and uh, Aaron and Miriam were brought before the Lord and said, you know, this guy, Moses, is my friend. You know, I speak to him face to face. I don't speak in dark speeches. Well, does that disprove what you're just saying, Pastor? No, it does not. Because when you really understand what being face to face with God is, that involves you having to commune with him and glean what he's saying and deduce what he's saying. And that's, that's, a, that's a great privilege, but it's, it's not easy. It's like when Daniel, Daniel was meeting with God and the angel and he came away from it and he said, man, I, I was overwhelmed for many days. And Bible says sick in the King James, not to throw a wrench in some of your theologies. But I decided not to think about it for a while. That's anything but easy. And, you know, God gives us insights and um, he wants us to walk with him in the revelation of the meaning of those. And so this vision, dream, night vision that I had for the network is, is very plain, but it, it has great power and great meaning to it. And so here's what it is. We'll talk about this briefly I'll make an announcement about this coming Saturday, and then we'll go into the real message for today. So understand that we're first going to talk about, just briefly, the meaning of this vision that I feel the Lord gave to us. Then we'll make an announcement about Saturday, and then we'll go into the word about sowing and reaping, which is another <coughs> important insight that we have to have for this new year is truth and sonship. Okay, the, 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 the night vision that God gave me uh, a week ago was my standing in an area of our church and I was beside a heavenly entity. And this spokesman said, the powers of the East are coming. And I, I felt during the vision as I was standing there that that made perfect sense. And then when I awakened, I thought, well, that was cool. What does it mean? So let's quickly just deduce. The East, in the Old Testament particularly, which then feeds us into things that are said about the East in the New Testament. The East... Kadem, it means um, from antiquity, from the past. Uh, it can mean whatever comes first, the essence of something, 
contributing factors. Now we know from the rising of the sun, the going down of the same, the Lord's name will be praised. We, we understand that. From the rising of the sun, we know that. But the question is that when we're living on earth, that we should have known this from the New Year's Eve celebrations. Well, we're gearing up for midnight here, wherever you live, and people in another part of the world already celebrated this, uh, this New Year hours and hours before. How is that? And then others will be celebrating it later. That, that doesn't make much sense. But um, so East is a, uh, is a term that means something different for each of us. You know, we look to the East and we think, okay, well, that's, uh, that's New York and uh, Boston and Miami, Miami. Or we can even go further out and think, well, that's London and Paris and, and, and Nice. But what about for them? Where's east for them? Well, they're, they're not east. They're west for things in the east. So we can't get too hung up on our geographical perspective of the east. So essentially this isn't saying, hey, you got some help coming from Atlanta. That would be nice, wouldn't it? East means what I just said. And um, so... Let's just consider a couple of verses and a couple of factors. Matthew 24, 27 says, As the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so also shall the, sun, the coming of the Son of Man be. What does that mean? Does that mean the old southern gospel hymn, Keep your eyes upon the eastern skies? Again, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense it, geographically. Why stand you gazing? Go and do what you're supposed to do. Lightning is sonship. Lightning is that measure of being empowered as the arrow of the Lord. We've studied that from the voice thunders, lightnings, earthquakes measure. So the lightning is coming out of the east. Um, there's going to be a an essential concentration on the elemental things that God has ordained from the foundation of the world. That's where the momentum and the launching forth of the lightning of the Lord, that's where it's coming from. It's not from, hey, what's the latest, hottest thing? Hey, what's the cool, what are the cool kids doing? You know, where's the latest branch of the river so we can go splash around in it? No, it, it goes back to what God's been training you for. What is the essential thing? What is God intended from the foundation of the world? What, what is it that are the core meanings of the scripture? Get those. Be established on those. Revelation 7.20 says, I saw another angel ascending from the east, and he had the seal of the living God with him. From the east... Well, yeah, the angel in these end days is going to be focusing on what God has ordained from forever. And, um, you know, you think about other things about the East in Scripture. Now, this is from geographical settings. Um, when Adam and Eve got booted out of Eden, the cherubs in Genesis 3 were sent to guard 
the east of of Eden. And to me, that that really speaks about the principles and the factors that God had given to Adam and Eve before the fall. And um, those, because of iniquity, were, were going to be held back from Adam and Eve. The second Adam opens up the exploration of those, but that's another, that's another topic. Um, when Israel was sent into Babylonian captivity, obviously that was the east, and they were sent there to reset, as it were, and to be awakened as to what their original calling was, hopefully. And then when they would be sent back, 70 years, 70 as elders, 70 as ayin, um, when they were sent back, hopefully the work of actually doing what God intended could be done. And so um, I think going to the east, there are a lot of factors in this, but going to the east was what what they were supposed to uh, have uh, achieved in resetting themselves for the purpose of God. Wise men came from the east to celebrate the birth of Christ. They came because they'd studied the scriptures. They'd studied prophecies. They knew that, that this was something that God was sending. And... Um, uh, the, the the birth of the, the Messiah, as it were. But they came from the east. Um, in Ezekiel, had a couple of interesting things. Uh, Ezekiel 8, 16, remember that time that God showed him those wicked rulers who were worshiping toward the east, the altar of jealousy. Um, they, were, they were trying to take that foundational place of the temple and turn it over to the enemy. And in Ezekiel 11, the, the angels moved the glory of God to a mountain on the east. Now, some would say that that's the Mount of Olives. It could be. I, I don't know. Uh, there wasn't a GPS setting. We can, we can um, speculate on that. But, but the point is, is that what was at stake was the uh, the essential things that God had put in place for us to partner with God. And, uh, you know, from the perspective of the throne, if you're seated with Christ at the right hand of God, you know, that's north. The throne is to the north. What would be to the right hand? Well, that would be east, right? Ex true? <laughs> so... Uh, our essence for this new year is to believe that we need to double down on what God is revealing about his essential ways. And we need to keep exploring them. We need to teach them. We need to go and demonstrate them. Um, but the point, though, is that... Um, you know, there's a there's a battle for that. There's a battle against that now. Um, the enemy does not want that. I think he. Um, I don't. I see. I don't think any of us, including myself, recognize what the saints 
have actually been accomplishing in the past 25, 26, 27 years. And I think we need to wake up because the enemy would try to tell you that your labors have been in vain. And that's where we want to look at now. But before we go to talk about seed and sowing and harvest and reaping, uh, don't forget that this coming Saturday is First Saturday. It is an essential one for our network. For those of you here in Dallas, and this is from the Father's Church in Dallas, um, we're asking for you to, whenever you come to pray on Saturday morning, make sure that you intersect that 10 o'clock hour. Okay, so if you come early, at least stay through 10. If you come later, get here before 10. Now, that doesn't mean you all come together in the center of the sanctuary and glad-hand each other. That's not what I'm saying. Just make sure you're all praying together at 10. But then those of you who've come later don't think, oh, you know, it was fine for a few minutes and everybody left. Well, if you want to be with everybody, get here earlier. You know what I'm saying? So often that happens. People come in later. They don't recognize that some of the people that are walking out have been there for two hours. Not that there's wrong with praying that length of time, but don't be subjective. When you come in doesn't mean things start when you get there. And so keep that in mind. But the, the, um, the directive is being sent out. So please make yourself ready. Uh, be, um, be observant of what's written there. Uh, this is an important time for us to meet at the throne of God. And um, I think that it's significant for us in this first year, the first weekend of the apostolic month in this year of truth and sonship. We need to be imprinted upon by the presence of God. So please, um, please do that. Now, let's get into the main study of the word today. We talked about earlier, we earlier, the powers of the East coming. I think that God is going to be demonstrating his power on behalf of the eternal things that you've invested yourself into. Uh, provided, of course, you didn't give up 10 yards before the finish line. Um, the enemy wants you to quit before your harvest comes. So let's regalvanize ourselves for uh, what we should be doing. All right, let's look at Isaiah 43, beginning at verse 4. Isaiah 43, beginning at verse 4. Since you were precious in my sight, you've been honorable, and I've loved you. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring your seed from the east and gather you from the west. Now, some would say, oh, well, that's Isaiah prophesying about the redemption of those in Babylonian captivity. Probably. However, no scripture is of subjective interpretation. Nobody can say, okay, this verse only means this. It's, it means uh, whatever God wants it to be because the word is alive. So 
the 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 wonderful thing is that seed comes from the east seed comes from the east I will say to the north, give up, to the south, keep not back, bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even every one that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf people that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together. Let all the people be assembled. Who among can declare this? and show us former things. Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified, or let them hear and say it is truth. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after thee. So, seed comes from the east. Again, separate yourself from the bondage of limiting this to Babylonian captivity. Let's look at Hosea. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. What is tzedakah? It's righteous vision. It's vision. Righteousness, remember, we've studied this. Abram looked to the sky. Abram believed God. God counted it for righteousness. First issuance defining righteousness. So we've got to be obedient to the heavenly vision. We've got to hold on to what God has revealed, not just what we've seen with our eyes. But what God has revealed, what is a righteous vision? And when we do that, we will then be able to reap in mercy, chesed, where God meets with us and shows us where to go. Think about that. All of our sowing as saints has been because God has shown us things in his word that have been hidden. God has shown us things in prayer where truth has been revealed. Those things that were hidden in the word, fresh meat for today, God's spirit breathes upon, and that living word speaks to us. That, and then we believe and we go forth on behalf of it. We obey that. And a lot of times those things didn't make sense. I could give illustration after illustration of that. You, you've lived it too. You sow in righteousness. But what about reaping in mercy? What about being that kind of person who is waiting for God's direction at the mercy seat in the presence of the angels and God says it's time for you to reap. Wow. 
There's a lot in this Hosea passage. But here we come to an essential thing that that we need to to understand. And we'll see this shown, shown in Jesus' words that are coming next. I think that one of the ways that so many saints have become discouraged is because our expectation, your expectation, my expectation, did not materialize in the natural. Oh yes, we sowed. Oh yes, we partnered with righteousness. Yes, we partnered in prayer. Yes, we love the understanding of the scripture. That is true. But in our human thinking, I think that I, I can confess for myself, and I know that it's been this case with some of you, at least some of you. Now, the purest of you, of course, would never do this. But I think you may have become a little bit discouraged because you look and you think, yeah, I did all this, we did all this, but where's where's the big payday? That's a bad phrase. But it, where, where is what I thought would happen if I did these things? See, you you put the things, you put spiritual seed in the ground and you expected some kind of natural harvest that, um, that you had envisioned. Uh, you sow in righteousness. You reap in mercy, which means that your reaping is going to be directed by God. It's not some kind of a agreement. Well, you know, bless God, in the natural, I put 15 watermelon seeds right here in this row, and I've watched after them. Now, I should get at least 15 watermelons, maybe a couple more. Have some of that hybrid growth growing, maybe a little bit more. Well, you can't, you can't predict what is sown in righteousness. No matter how much you declare and decree, bind and rebuke, you, you cannot make that happen. You're going to reap in mercy. Your reaping comes in mercy, which is going to be somewhat unpredictable because God is going to meet with you. That's the principle of, of chesed in the presence of the angels. And he's going to say, okay, Here's where here's where you go. Now let's let's look at John 4. John 4 verse 34. Okay? Once again, John 4 verse 34. Jesus said unto them, who said that? Jesus. Now wait a second. Tell me again. Who's talking here? Jesus. So this this you got to really note. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Hmm. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look in the fields, for they are white already to harvest. He that reaps receives wages and gathers fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth 
may rejoice together. Now, pay attention to this, if you haven't been paying attention so far. Herein is that saying made true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. Hmm. Wow. So, what's he say? Your, your main job is to do the will of the one who sent you. To do an apostolic work. And to make sure that you do exactly what he says you, that you're supposed to do. And don't rationalize saying, you know, I've done this, now I should get some kind of return from this. Does that, what, what does say not ye mean? Well, bless God, if you sow this, you're going to reap. I know all of that stuff. I know. In the measure that you sow, so shall you reap. But what does Jesus say? One sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap, reap, where you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you're entered into their labors. So, if you're expecting what you did before the Lord to, to reap you some kind of a tangible benefit that you can stand and, dare I say, take some form of gratification from, I did all this and look what the Lord has done. You're probably setting yourself up for some measure of discouragement. Yeah, you'll be blessed, but your reaping comes... According to Jesus, where you didn't sow. Hosea says you sow in righteous vision as a friend of God. Your reaping comes as God directs you within his angelic to a place that he has earmarked for you to go. Let's look at a familiar passage also in the words of Jesus. Matthew 25, verse 24. This is the parable of the talents. Then he which had one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you. I knew you. Oh, we preached about that. Do you know God now? Knowing him in the past is wonderful, but do you know him now? That's another message. You're a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid my talent, your talent, in the earth. Lo, there thou that, that hast, thou hast that is thine. And his Lord answered and said, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not strawed. You should have then put your money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. We will just not talk about that 27th verse. You can think about that for yourself, even though I have suggested what that could mean. This is investment. This is sowing. 
And the man says, and the Lord says, you reap where you haven't sown, and you've gathered where you've not strawed. Now, he's a hard man. Um, hard there can basically mean, it doesn't mean cruel. It means this, this law is rigid. This, this is what's going to happen. Now, I, I don't really understand all the particulars of the factors that are there with these talents and how they, how the guys invested themselves, the other two successfully. You know, I'm not there in that economy. But the principle of sowing and reaping is what is being brought down here to the guy who screwed up. The Lord calls this guy slothful and wicked. In other words, his viewpoint was perverted. It was the ways of the world. And subsequently, he allowed himself to be lazy. He just buried it. He said, I'm done with this. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, isn't that something? Now, we're in the talent business. We're in the sowing and reaping business. And I have to tell you, that I was born into the general church. I was raised in the general church. I was trained in the general church. So I almost feel almost like the Apostle Paul with the Pharisees. So I, I think I have a right to say what I observed over decades, okay? Most of the general church is in that 27th verse where they, they're there, they... They just, they're invested, but invested, it's really not investing themselves. They like to think they're investing themselves, but they're just, they're good people, but they're not really laying themselves on the line in a partnership. That's just the truth. I'm not judging anybody, I'm just saying that's just the truth. And how do I know that? Just from here. Pastor, we expect you to seek the Lord and you, you just tell us what he says. Oh, okay. You know, you're asking us to pray and seek God. That's too much work. That's hard. I don't want to do that. You know, this isn't what I signed up for. I want to go someplace where I can be fed. Fed, that's a big one. In other words, they want to be spoon-fed. They want to be like the little kids I see in the nursery where they're put up in their high chair, they're given food, and they can shake their head cutely if they don't like something, and they can just be fed. But this, this business is really partnering with God here. And the whole issue again is what Jesus again said in John 4. I'm going to reap where I've not sown. Now I know what I know the scripture that says um, you'll reap what you sow. I know all those things, but what I'm saying is our concept of how we reap is very different than what God's concept of reaping in mercy is, and in a lot of ways it it's kind of we're going to be looking at some other scriptures here. Um, 
It's kind of like that principle of the partridge that we've talked about from the Old Testament, where um, the kara, where you go and you find a nest that is belonging or, or was left by some other bird, and you call out there and you watch over it. Now, the, 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 the wonderful teaching that's there is, is, is very much like reaping where you did not sow. That partridge did not lay that egg. It's taking care of the nest. So I think that we're going to see harvest that um, is, is going to surprise us. But what we do with our, we've got to continue to sow, sowing it unto the Lord. Let's keep reading scriptures. <clears throat> Galatians 6, verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit the wind of God, shall of the wind reap life everlasting. Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Huh. We sow to the Spirit. We sow to the Spirit. So let's not be weary in doing well. In due season, that season of mercy, we'll reap. But if you've given up because you think, you know, I've done all these things, and you know, it just didn't come out the way I thought it should. You know, I see that. I have seen that in the church, where a lot of times people will sidle up and They'll, they'll do things, but their motive, which they admit, is so that they gain promotion or that so that they get close to the leader and they can find that primo spot in their eyes. Believe me, being close to the leader isn't as primo as you think it is. I can tell you that right now. Um, their expectations did not yield a reality and then they become they, their nose gets out of joint. And they, they get angry. There are a lot of people who do things, but they do them kindly, but with expectation in the natural. And you, you cannot do that in the spirit realm. I, I, I tell you, one of the ways that the enemy has attacked you, because I know he's attacked me in this, there's a lot of things that we've sown into here that I've sown into and I haven't and you haven't seen things that our natural mind deduced would happen because of that sowing but somehow we see other groups springing up being blessed and we think that should have been mine why is that not mine and it's most likely that they're reaping the harvest in God's economy for what you sowed unto God. And if we'll just 
recognize, we're going to see this in some verses coming, if you recognize that this is God's economy, you're doing it unto him, you're going to reap in a way that you didn't expect. Now, I think that this is just God testing our humility and really testing uh, our our aspirations and our uh, who are we sowing unto? Are we sowing to God? Are we in humility? Uh, uh, are we doing this as unto the Lord? Are we doing this in the natural? That is a big question. And the guy that did it in the natural and finally didn't like the program, he he didn't have a very good fate in in John um, in Matthew 25. Let's look at now this is a long passage in 2 Corinthians 9 and I think this is for my church but it's for me and it's really for all the saints but this is Paul writing to the Corinthians and he starts off 2 Corinthians 9 for is touching the ministering to the saints it is superfluous for me to write to you for I know the forwardness of your mind for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia that Ikea was ready a year ago and your zeal has provoked very many yet have I sent the brethren lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf that as I said you may be ready lest happily if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, uh, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same thing boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. Look up those two words. And we're not going to talk about them today, but those those are interesting. They don't necessarily mean what the English translation conveys. But this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He is given to the poor, His righteousness remains forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whiles by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them, 
and unto all men, and by prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. That's a long passage. And intermingled in there is this divine concept of sowing and reaping. Um, it, it, you know, he that ministers seed to the sower, that's what God gives to you. And really what Paul was saying to these Corinthians and saying, you know, you've blessed the saints, the work of the saints, but I've got, and, and a lot of this was money, but it, it was also this principle we've been talking about, which is righteousness. We have to, I speak to my church and I speak to all of you saints, especially as new people are coming alongside. We're teaching the deep things of the Spirit. They're being touched. They're impassioned. We have to get our heads straight as to what God is doing and how we're investing into Him and what we should really be expecting from God because of our labors for Him. And we should keep on serving him regardless of whether we see what our mind or our pride or our fleshly view would have expected to come. You know, and, and Paul's really saying, hey, when these guys in Macedonia and, and, and in other places that I've boasted about you, when they come and see you, you better be doing what you're supposed to do. And and I've you know, I'm I'm part of you. I know what this is like. Um we'll never be in the honeymoon stage again. And, and what I mean by that is God has given us the best. He he's shown us the essence of partnering with him. You're not gonna get better than that. You understand that. So if you're searching the internet far and wide to find out something better than being at the throne of God, at the right hand, ministering with the angelic, as the Italians would say, forget about it. That's not coming. So this better be enough for you. It certainly is. It's more than enough. What doest thou here, Elijah? Oh, you know, I'm the only one and I've served you and, you know, uh, I think one of the benefits of wrapping the mantle around his head is it muffled his mouth. <laughs> I, I, You know, we've got to be really careful here because we're walking on holy ground and you can either give up or you can seek some other pasture but we've got to go back to our first love when we, as some have said, didn't know anything and we just wanted the Lord. When we found him, he gave us this partnership. Is he still enough? Well, I think the first thing we've got to do is jettison our natural expectations 
and get get rid of them because it's obvious from the scripture we've seen that God moves on a different uh, plane of of um, of spiritual mercantilism. Let's look at First Corinthians three. First Corinthians three. Verse five. Now we were just in Second Corinthians nine. Let's look at First Corinthians three, verse five. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you've believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted. Apollos watered. God gave the increase. So then neither is he that plants anything, neither he that waters, but God that is over the increase or the harvest or the fruitfulness. He that plants and he that waters are one, but every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are employed as God's husbandry. You are God's building. You're, you're his factory. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have li- laid the foundation, hold on to your lug nuts now, and another builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. Well, I've laid the foundation. I should be building on it. Why is that other guy building on this thing that I laid out? I'm speaking to myself as well as you, and the reason is the enemy and his tactic, his strategy right now, is to trip you up in one of these factors as we're coming into this year of incredible fruitfulness where the powers of the East are being released. And we're seeing fruitfulness, we're seeing harvest, we're seeing incredible things as sons in this new day. Um, and, and the truth is that even though God began to speak to us decades ago, let's just talk about, let's just talk about South America. We know what God said decades ago. And then we had no connection other than to pray. And now we're going in there and we're seeing this great harvest. Who sowed the seed? Who got the soil ready? Oh, was it just God's spirit moving there on the face of the waters waiting for us to get there? Or do you think maybe somebody else labored? I don't know. Mercy has sent us for the harvest. God has said, go. I've been in a lot of places where we've gone in and sown seed and we think, oh, I don't know what really happened there. I don't know. I don't really see a whole lot of harvest. And you become discouraged, don't you? Some of our allies in Europe, and listen, we love you folks. We're part of you. You're part of us. I I think it's fair to say that with all the meetings, with all the thousands of people that we've that we've 
sewn into, of all the places we prayed, all the activations we've done in key locations in the in the great uh, historical um, locales of Western civilization. We were sowing. We did it under the Lord. The harvest is coming. But the Lord of the harvest. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send out laborers. What's that mean? Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> we should be getting the harvest. Really? It, it, with what all we've seen here in these scriptures, you're just going to start tossing them over your shoulders like my grandson? He loves to toss things backwards. He's got a great arm, uh, which makes Papa happy. But... God's harvest is partridge-like. It's it's he's he's sending others. You're going to reap the benefit of it, but it's sown in righteousness because we're in God's plan. We're just serving God. Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? You know, God's giving the increase. So you in Europe, have you failed? Heavens no. You've set the stage for what is coming. And we're 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 with you in this. We've not abandoned you. We none of us have abandoned anyone. We're we're not abandoning the Lord. We've got to keep doing what we're asked to do. I speak to I see our brothers in India are still laboring. We were stopped from going there. We tried and we did on many occasions. God has got to give the increase there. What about our brother uh, Faladin and the West Africa Prayer and Fasting Network? Nations Prayer and Fasting Network. NAPFAN, I like that. It's a good acronym. Is God going to honor the seed sown or has he failed you oh we know you're a hard man god you reap or you sow not you 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 have uh strawing going on and i don't really see how you did it <laughs> that's my paraphrase we just read the passage wicked and slothful he said that the, the, the man said he was afraid. That's a, It's interesting. I don't want to make too much of this. I know fear is a big part here in our world today. Is, was there any place we've ever gone where some Aunt Sally didn't say, you better not go there, it's terrible. Oh no, don't go into Uganda, they're killing people over there. Oh no, don't go, don't go into France, those terrorists are running wild. Don't don't go into Belgium. They got the place locked down. Don't don't you better not go down into Brazil. They'll pickpocket you and whoop you over the head and which is a lie. We've all heard those things, haven't we? So fear is there. But the word fear, phobos, in Greek mythology, this was the son of Ares, the god of war. 
And this being was supposed to intimidate and undermine the enemy before they came in for battle. Did you know that? So phobia, yes, we know what it has brought into our defining. But the heart of Phobos is really giving reasons why you shouldn't go to war. Giving reasons why you should not engage in battle. Or why you should not invest yourself. Because you're going to fail anyway. You can't win. That's the heart of Phobos. So this dude says, I was, I was fearful. He had rationalized that what he was doing was not going to provide what he thought it would. And I know you, you're a hard man, God, and you play this bait and switch business where if I invest here, I'm not going to see anything of it. I see what you do. So I'll just wait. It's the old Pentecostal evangel principle. Well, you know, show me. Now I'll read about it three months after it happened, and I'll just give a, a yahoo to God. But don't don't put me on the front line trying try anything new, because I might be misled. <laughs> Even though it's in the scripture, I'm not doing it until everybody else does it. Then we'll say, oh, we're leading. And that can be true of anybody. My point for us as we enter into this new year is that we need to double our efforts to be what we're called to be. One of the things that I've seen, and it's obvious, is that God is obviously stirring a lot of young people, and it's more militaristic. It's more boot campy. And that kind of irritates me, in a way, because we as... We as um, uh, mature ones, um, we we should not be being told to make our beds and you know to to get in there and pray. But young people, we see that Brazil, we see it here. It's kind of comical in a way, but I can see that God's doing that. And in our society, young people probably need that because they're told in society that everybody owes them something. They all have an axe to grind. You know, um, we don't need to do anything. And, and really, if you invest yourself in a, in a, uh, in a really uh, systematic way, that's, uh, that's westernized or that's the white man's privilege or whatever it is. So we're just going to do whatever seems right in our own eyes, the days of judges. So, and destruction will come, believe me. I feel for our country if God doesn't intervene. However, however, um, I do know that in the, the scheme of the mighty men, David's mighty men, you need those drill sergeants. And I, I've, I've missed them in our church. Those were primarily taken out. You know, you, it comes to a point in life where if you enter into a point of leadership, if you enter into maturity, you don't have somebody behind you cracking the whip. It's up to you to get up before everybody else and get food on the table. It's up, it's up to you to make sure that you've 
got the things done that you've got to get done. Mommy and Daddy aren't there. You're the old man in the room. You, you have to do these things. But if you somehow convince yourself, as we have seen, that that is not really going to provide for you. You lose track of the overall agenda. You've convinced yourself that God has abandoned you and that what you've sown into is not gratifying. So you sow yourself into other things that satisfy you in the natural. And you dumb down and you lose your first love and the, the spark of your heart goes out. Now, you could run to some meeting, have hands laid on you, feel something fresh again, and think, oh, I found it. Well, how long is that going to last? Let me, let me ask you, how long is that going to last? Hopefully, as long or longer than the last time you had it. It's up to you to keep your, wimp, your, your wicks trimmed and your, and your, uh, your, your lamp full of oil. My Lord delays his coming. So said the foolish ones who said, I'm not going to participate in, in the Musterion anymore. Remember when we talked about that? Is that you? Come on now. I know the enemies tried that one on me, even though I've taught this and I know it in the scripture. What good does it do to sow yourself in righteousness, giving all that you have, if somebody else is just going to come and get your harvest. I'm sure not seeing it, you might say. Well, you reap in mercy. Now, how are you going to reap in mercy if, first of all, you're opposed to the plan of God's husbandry, which I think we've affirmed in passage after passage after passage. How are you going to reap if you're not there at the mercy seat? Um, I think this is a word in season for all of us and maybe some perspective we need to have as we go into this year of fruitfulness, truth and sonship, where we are we are entering into the rest of our God, the essential things, the bedrock, foundational things, the East, as it were. This is where God's coming from. This is where the ways of God are initiated, at this place of truth and sonship. But if somehow your natural mind has sat in the back pew, said, okay, it's time for somebody else to do it. Give me this mountain, says Caleb. It's another, another spirit, another heart. One that wants what, remember what another meant, what was originally intended. That's where you agree on. So what is God giving you to do to sow? Well, how do you sow in righteousness? How do you sow? The seed comes from the east. You are being given precious seed. You are being given seed from the foundation of the word through the scripture. You are. Not some fancy sermon in three, in three points that gets everybody hooting and hollering. And those are great. Those stem winders are great. 
When you ask them what was spoken two hours later, they can't tell you. I know, I grew up with that. Oh, have you heard this prophecy? He's saying this, she's saying this. Great. That and a seven bucks will get you a mocha at Starbucks. Oh, I never go there. That's not the point of this. The seed comes from the east. Rest is the, the place of, of God's established purpose. What he had ordained from the foundation of the world. All these things that we've seen, we sow in righteousness. We reap in mercy. I plant, somebody else waters, God gives the increase. It's up to him. But if you're thinking, hey, you know what? And this is an enemy. What's in it for me? I tried this, and what do I have? Huh. Do you see God's ways here? So what do we do with this? Well, first of all, we understand these things. We see it in the Scripture. Let this adjust our thinking. And let's get back to the first things. Let's get back to what God ordained us to be. Whether nobody else sees it, whether nobody else is applauding you, whether the big pulpit in the sky that you've dreamed you'd have never materializes it, and it probably won't. Keep serving God. Well, if I study these scriptures and I write this book, they'll have me up on the New York Times bestsellers list. <laughs> Forget it. You know what I'm doing with scriptures that God's given me, and I know you've all gotten them. We have how many authors in this church and in this network? We're just giving it away. We always have. You know, you know. whenever I would get a, a, a residue check or whatever you would call that at the end of the year for books sold after taxes are paid and the Uncle Sam gets his portion, which we all make sure, you know what I do with that? I buy something that the church needs. There's never some big pot of gold that comes from this. Nobody's asking to interview me on Fox News. We just want this seed sown into these people so that they can teach it. Well, yeah, we all agree with that. It's the Word. It's not ours. It's the Word of God. They need to know these deeper things. But we need to be sowing in prayer. We need to be before the throne of God. Is, is that enough for you? It should be. It should be for all of us. But if you convince yourself, what good is it? I've been doing this for so long. I've never seen the cash cab come and bring it to me. I, I'll just quit. Let somebody else do it. How stupid. I must said the S word. How ridiculous is that? We're all speaking. Let's just us kids talk here. So as we enter into this new year, as we come before this first Saturday, let's readjust our thinking as to sowing and reaping. Yeah, you will reap, but it's not going to be according to your investment banker. It's going to be God-giving increase and your harvest is probably going to be, if we believe these scriptures that we've seen, 
in some way that mercy directs you to go and you're going to be harvesting something that somebody else has sown into that God is glorified. I want that. We're experiencing that. But what will screw it all up is if your mind is expecting something else and then the enemy rides in, hath God said. Oh, you know, we're allowed to do all this stuff, but that over here we can't touch. Oh, that's because God doesn't want to reward you. See, he's mean. It's the same twist on the same demonic principle. And it really comes down to who you're doing it for. Who, who do you love? What, do you understand this principle? That the wonder of it all is meeting with God. What you emerge from that meeting place from is a, a specific assignments and understandings that then you have the privilege of developing in comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And if some way you can make that part of your life, what a, what a treasure that is. If you can teach somebody else, great. But just know that not everybody is going to want that. You got to get that through your head. I got to get that through my head. Even good godly people who study the word don't want pneumonicos things. Have we seen that recently? Boy, that's a kick. I, that irritates me. Because why? Not because of me, because I know the theory it is in the word. If this is deeper than any of the stuff that you're shining up, get it. Don't turn from it. So are we going to let that keep us from mining the unsearchable riches? Come on now. What good does it do to write? Hey, I know this. I've heard it. I've even voiced it. What good does it do to study? What good does it do to pray? I haven't gotten that thing I wanted. <laughs> really? As I've said so many times, I'm so grateful that I didn't get the things I wanted. Some of them would have destroyed me. And I know that now. I didn't necessarily know it when I was agreeing and having people agree with me and putting forth my string, my garment of verses that I was declaring and expecting. Some of the greatest answers to prayer are when God keeps us from the things we're asking for. Oh, I have went really long today, haven't I? Welcome to the new year. We'll see you this coming Saturday for prayer. Go back and study some of these scriptures. This is something that I am going to try to ingrain in myself. And I ask you to do the same. Because this is God's way. And if we affirm this and make it part of our belief and function, we will eliminate a lot of vulnerability in the enemy's agenda against us. It's a year of harvest. 
It's a year of sowing, plowman overtaking reaper. We've got to keep breaking up the fallow ground and doing what we're supposed to do. That's what Hosea said. But we got to keep moving. The harvest will come, but it's likely going to be in ways that we were not expecting. Because God is the husbandman. It's God's business. And he's good about that. So go out in your backyard, get your spade out, and dig up that talent that you've buried and said, well, this is dead. It's not doing me any good anyway. Shine it up and get busy. Get busy living or get busy dying. And um, let's, let's know that God is not a hard man, but he means what he says and his ways are perfect. He's not changing his ways. Don't let the enemy convince you to take yourself out of the Father's business. Because the Father's business has never failed you. Your mindsets may have failed you. Miscreant subjectivism may have failed you. But God never has. You are blessed. Live like it. Be satisfied with what God has given you. And for heaven's sake, now this isn't appearances, but as a pastor, I always am concerned that the people that we go and teach and sow the word into, and they're excited, and they're, oh, we want to come to the Saints Network Seminar. Oh, we want to come to Dallas or wherever they want to go. We want to go visit Port St. John. We want to go, oh, that when they walk in here, I can say this for me, that they're not disappointed. We, we've got to be what we're supposed to be, like the Queen of Sheba who came and saw how meticulously Solomon's words of wisdom were offered unto the Lord by all of these people, that won her over. We must live what we say. It's not that we're being hypocritical. That's not, I'm, no, no, people here are not hypocritical. Don't get me wrong. But we've got to, we've got to be childlike we just do all right way this is long 114 my goodness some of you have gone out for a couple of snacks already elevensies as it were thank you everybody we'll see you this saturday for first saturday i speak blessing over you it's going to be a great year and these things that we've shared today are gifts to god from god to us i know it's a gift from God to me. I just pray that it can do its work in setting us all free into the place of harvest that God needs us to be in in this new year. Thanks for joining. God bless and goodbye.